Hello, Cougar Nation, and welcome to Shut Up and Jimmer. I am your host, Steve Pierce, and I'm here with my co-host, the head man in charge of VanquishTheFoe.com, and a man who, well, I've not met in person, I hear has amazing hair, Robbie McCombs. Robbie, how are you today? Steve, that was quite the introduction. Thank you. I, my hair is starting, I think my, Haley says my wife is starting to thin a little bit, so I don't know if it's quite as good as it used to in my single days, but you know, I'm married now, so I guess doesn't matter as much, right? But um, Well, the number one thing we'll say on this podcast is don't believe your wife when she says your hair is thinning. Don't believe okay. your wife. No, that's not true. Believe your yeah. wife about everything. I'm sure okay. the hair is still luscious, though. I like to think it is. So it's still still going strong, still have some hair up there. So it, it's going. I mean, every day that you have it, every day that you have it is is one more day that you, that you won the fight uh, against Mother Nature. So that's good. Um, yes. Excited to be here, Robbie. Excited to fu- to be doing this. We've been talking about this for <laughs> it feels like millennia, um, and now we're here. Shut up and Jimmer, a all BYU basketball podcast. Are you as amped as I am? I, I know, like you said, I've been I, I joined Vegas the Foe about two years ago. I remember um, we obviously knew each other kind of from Twitter, and that we both were really into BYU basketball, and that was kind of our idea when we first started this, and we wanted to do the podcast, and just for whatever reasons, you know, life gets in the way, it kind of fell through, but you know, I'm up here in Seattle, you're out east in Washington, D.C., you know, we found a way to make it work, and I'm really excited for this basketball season, I'm really excited to discuss it, the, all the good things, all the bad things that will surely come here on this podcast. Yeah, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be great. And oh, I don't know if the season will be great. Maybe it'll just be average. Who, who really knows? But I think it will be great for us to, to have this podcast. And really, I think what for the folks out there who are listening, this really just this podcast, I think we wanted to give us an opportunity to kind of follow through the season and talk week by week about what we see happening, what we see out there on the court, hear from you guys who want to clap back on social media. Um, what you guys are seeing out there, and then also look forward, look ahead to what's coming up, who the Cougars uh, have on their schedule next, uh, and just kind of experience this season uh, together. However it turns out, um, it may end up being as heartbreaking as the recent ones have been, but uh, I think if we can do this together, I think it'll be fun. Hopefully we can share some insight, um, and hopefully it'll be a a good experience that a few people will want to listen to. And if not, well, you know, my wife will probably listen to it, and maybe your wife will as well. I know Haley's a big big bad basketball fan but she's uh, already yeah she's already said she's the hype man for our podcast so with anything steve well our wives will listen to the podcast and you know then whoever, whatever you get on top of that i guess is a bonus yeah so we're gonna it's gonna be great if only our wives listen to it that's fine but uh you know this week might be different i think generally the format that you can expect is you know we'll talk about where we've where we've what what happened the week before we'll talk about what's what's coming up in the week to come maybe throwing a little recruiting when it makes sense um and so I think that'll be, we'll try and keep it to around 30 minutes or so. This one might be a little bit different um, just because we're going to do a little season preview today. We're going to dive maybe slightly deeper than we would normally uh, talking about kind of the big storylines of the season. What do we see? Um, what are we expecting? And then we'll talk a little bit at the end about uh, the games coming up this week in the first full week, of, first official week of the season uh, against Nevada and then against uh, UVU. Um, so we'll, this one will be a little bit different. Um, but starting next week, we'll, we'll get, I think, probably into what would be more of our consistent format. So uh, with that being said, let's just dive right in uh, to the season preview. And Robbie, I'll just put it to you off the top. What can we expect to be different 
from last year. This, this, I feel like the expectations of fans are all over the map from what I've seen on this. Some people think this is going to be totally a different team. Some people are like, oh my gosh, this is just last year's team all over again. What are you expecting to be different from last year? Yeah, and I think that's the question. Like, what's going to be different about this year? Um, obviously, BYU and under Dave Rose, we've never really hit the hit the bottom rock bunner at Dave Rose. Dave Rose wins, you know, twenty plus games every single year. But especially the last three years, it's just kind of lacking almost that excitement. You know, obviously BYU's had some great players over the years between Tyler Haas, um, Elijah Bryant, who obviously recently left, and obviously now we have Yoli Childs. But it's almost, in some ways, this team kind of feels like just the same teams we've kind of seen the last three years of Dave Rose. I mean, you know, you got an all conference caliber player and, and Yoli Childs, and then there are just a lot of question marks, you know, is TJ Haas, is he going to come back to his freshman year where he was all conference caliber player, or is he going to just kind of, kind of where he was last year, his sophomore year, where he could go off for 30 against Gonzaga or you, he disappears in a, in a night against Portland. So that's just my biggest thing is BYU is going to be different than what we've seen the last three years, or is BYU finally going to turn the corner, get some consistency, kind of go back to old BYU basketball, you know, run it up and down the floor and finally break through that wall and get to the NCAA tournament. And I don't know, Steve, do you, do you kind of see that you kind of get that sense? It's kind of, Hey, it's going to kind of be at the same three years. We get in the NIT, or do you think BYU can actually break through? You know, I think I think you're right that there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of question marks, and I think that there is the potential for this team if things come together right. And I'm not saying that they will, but if things do come together right and progress right throughout the season, I think there is the potential for this team to potentially make it back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in quite a while. A um, mm. lot of question marks before we we know that. I think what does the offense look like? How is that different from last year? I think a lot of folks were frustrated with the offense last year, um, which kind of took on a, a different appearance under Heath Shore than it has in years past. I think some players were a little uncomfortable in that offense. Does this year's look different? Do they get back to more of the up and down that we were used to traditionally from the Dave Rose team? And then defensively, with Shore gone, there's no whether you liked his offense or not, there's no arguing with the fact that the man really brought some intense defensive focus that improved the team on, on that end of the floor last year year does that stick around this year um with him off at mcneese state as the head coach now or do they go back to kind of being a more lax mm-hmm. defensive team as they were before schroyer was here i think those are the two big questions i don't think we have answers i think the team is saying the right things about getting up and down but still being a, a strong defensive team but we won't know until we actually see them out on the floor against real d1 competition which we haven't seen yet yeah, and there's a few things you know that give me some optimism going into this year. Um, obviously, Elijah Bryant's a big loss. He was a All Conference WCC player, and he was BYU's leading scorer last year. But other than that, one thing that BYU has going for it that they haven't had in recent years, BYU has a lot of continuity coming back, and um, they had a, some key pieces, just a few newcomers. That I think that could really slide in to fill some key roles. Um, I was kind of doing a little bit of research, and last year in BYU's team, BYU had 11 new guys on the roster that weren't on the team before. And um, that's that's just a lot of guys. You got to come in during the summer, get used to playing with new guys. Um, this year, BYU only has four new guys on the roster. And um, one of those guys is Nick Emery, who obviously has a lot of experience playing at BYU. So that's probably one of the biggest things that gives me a little bit of optimism going into the season, that there is that level of continuity. Um, we, know, we know what ULA Childs brings. TJ Haas, he's going to be asked to do even more this year. But I do think there is something to be said with the team that is experienced, that has eight juniors on the roster that has a couple seniors and that has experience playing together. And I think that is one of the biggest reasons to be optimistic for this BYU team, just with the level of continuity. 
Yeah, that continuity is going to be huge. We we saw that was kind of what we said last year, especially in the in the dark moments. You know, this is this was a really young team, and they were learning these lessons, and those lessons would pay off down the road. And we did have that continuity, and they did have that experience, and they became upperclassmen. This is the year, you know, where we have a lot of juniors, we have a lot of a lot more experience, um, where those those dark those dark times hopefully will start to pay off. Um, mm-hmm. And you mentioned kind of a couple of the key the key players that. BYU is going to look for and who are really going to have to power this team if they're going to make it to the next level and make it back to the NCAA tournament uh, in Yoli Childs and in TJ Hawes. I think those are kind of the two guys that everyone's looking for. And there will be more that that obviously uh, that need to contribute in, in different ways. But in terms of top line guys, I think Yoli and TJ are the, are the guys who are going to have to carry a lot of weight. What do you think we need that BYU needs to see from them in order to, to be successful? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we know what Ueli brings. He was averaging about 18 points last year, had a really breakout season with Eric Mika gone. He was really able to kind of come into his own, being the, obviously the main guy down low. And um, I think Ueli, he's going to be asked to do even more this year. Um, he's worked a lot in his outside shot. We saw a little bit of that in the last exhibition game. BYU's guards were really struggling from deep, but Ueli came in it. Bam, bam, two threes right in a row. And obviously, he's doing that to kind of work on his NBA game with the NBA going with bigs, playing on the outside a lot more. So I think Yoli is going to be doing a lot more. I think he's going to be handling the ball a little bit. He's going to be shooting from outside. So Yoli, even more than last year, a sophomore year, he obviously had a big role. He's going to be asked to do even more this year. And then like you mentioned with TJ, it's just kind of what we're going to get from TJ. Um, I think this offense up and down will suit him a little more. This freshman year when he was all-conference as a freshman. It sounds like BYU is going to go to the up-tempo. I think last year, Shoyer did bring a lot of good things, but I think his offensive style did hurt TJ in that TJ is one that needs the ball in his hands. He needs to kind of play up-tempo, and I think that kind of inhibited him a little bit last year. He wanted to take some shots, but Shoyer was like, no, no, don't take that shot. But I think... The hope is that TJ, this up, up-tempo up offense, that he'll find a little bit more consistency being a junior now. Because, I mean, those are the two guys that are really going to have to carry BYU. I mean, there's some players that have promise, but those are the guys that you could count on for, you have to count on for 20 points every night. And BYU doesn't really have another guy that could go off for 20 points, except I mean, maybe Nick Emery. But what's he going to be like when he gets back? Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a second. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think of Yoli as as kind of the rock. You know what you're going to get from Yoli, and really BYU. But B, Yoli is going to be the one who carries BYU wherever they're going to go. And to get to the NCAA tournament, I think Yoli is going to have to get 20 and 10 this year, which is not a thing that not a lot of college players do. That's really hard to do in a 40 minute game, uh, but mm-hmm. it can be done. And I think Yoli can do it. And if Yoli can get 20 and 10, he can score at all three levels um, and continue to be a presence on the defensive end. Um, that will be a good foundation for them to build. on. I think TJ, like you were mentioning, is a little bit trick or treat, right? He, we, he can go for, you know, 20, 30 points on any given night, uh, but he also struggled a lot last year. I think the Schroyer offense potentially being gone helps him. I do think he needs to have the ball in his hands, like you were saying. Um, and that's not just for him, for his own scoring, but he's, he's a gifted playmaker and he has the opportunity to, if he has the ball in his hands, he has the ability to really set up uh, his teammates for some easy looks and easy and, and easy baskets, both at the rim and from three. Um, and I think that's a, that's a huge thing of finding BYU's maximum potential on offense is can TJ uh, really be creative and find those opportunities for his teammates. You mentioned uh, Nick Emery, who, you know, as everyone knows, will miss the first nine games of the season. He won't be back uh, until the Utah State game, I believe, is his first one back. Um Nick is obviously a player with a lot of experience in the program, like you said. Uh, also, another guy like TJ, who 
has shown the ability to get 30 points in a game um, as he as he did his freshman year. Um, but also, you know, his sophomore year, he kind of he kind of struggled and, and, and went through kind of a sophomore slump similar to what TJ did last year. Uh, he's been away from the team for a year, away from basketball officially for a year, uh, dealing with some personal issues. He'll be back this year. Um, I guess the questions that come up from that is kind of what is his impact going to be? How does a, how does the team fare in these first nine games while he's suspended and B when he does come back, what does that look like? How long does it take him to get, uh, incorporated into the team? How does, how long does it take the team to mesh with him there? And then what does he, you know, does he look like, does he look like himself from freshman year when he was, you know, a great player or does Mm -hmm. he, does he look like he looked last year before in the preseason before, you know, before he he pulled out of school, um, which was kind of a, a husk of his of, of what we'd come to expect from him. Uh, what do you think we're looking at in terms of, of Nick Emery? No, I, I go back and forth on Nick Emery. He's he's him, him along with Yoli and TJ. They're really the three guys at, at this point of the careers, at least that could kind of score outside of the system. What I mean, we always a lot of guys like Zach Sellius, who's a catch and shoot guy that guys like Gavin Baxter that could get a you hopefully hope for him he'll get a lot of putbacks things like that but he has a lot of some system guys but Nick is really that third guy that could kind of go off for the 20 30 points that could kind of be outside of the system maybe create his own shot and obviously his freshman he was all conference second team sophomore he regressed a little bit but and we know kind of what he went through he went through a lot in his personal life but kind of going to the team um I, I kind of see him it's going to take a while, I think, for him to kind of mesh into things. Coaches, if you kind of read behind the lines, they're in the interviews when they talk about Nick Emery, they're talking about things like, uh, you know, Nick's he's still getting things together. He's still working on working on the core. He's still trying to mesh with his teammates. So kind of what I'm just reading between the coaches and kind of what I'm seeing from this team, um, I think it's probably not going to be until WCC season where we're really going to start to see Nick Emery make an impact. I think BYU, after nine games, they're going to have a decent idea of what the rotation is. And I don't think you necessarily want to ruin that right away. So Nick is a guy that's going to have to contribute for BYU if they want to make the NCAA tournament just because BYU does need another reliable scorer. But I think his role is going to be this year. I think he's going to come off the bench. Um, I think BYU needs bench scoring. And if Nick could be that guy, whether it could be after he comes back, whether it's in January during WCC season, if he could be that guy that could be that spark off the bench that could provide you 10 to 15 points a night, then I think he more than fills his role uh, for this year at, at least and for BYU to be be a team that could potentially get back to the tournament yeah i absolutely agree i think if byu wants to be in the tournament nick emery has to return and play at a high level um like we've expected him to play in the past and, and maybe even better they need that third attacker that third scorer and you know i think Nick coming off the bench as, as kind of a six-man instant offense type guy is the ideal role for Nick. This is all. This is we'll call this the Matt Carlino Memorial Award. The guy <laughs> is he a little. He's a little crazy, um, and you don't always know it what you're going to get. Minutes but, to get a Matt Carlino reference, <laughs> right? Well, that was that was you know you knew it was coming eventually. Yeah, but you know that that type of guy, kind of a uh, kind of the guy who you throw in, and you know maybe it doesn't always work, but when it works. Man, he can just really fill it up and pour it in. And I think the other thing that Nick can do, other than other than on the offensive end, Nick's a great defender. Defense, he is. Yeah. He will be one. Of, he will be the best perimeter defender on this team, uh, mm-hmm. with perhaps the exception of Jasheer Hardnett. Um, and I think the team really needs that. They need someone that can move their feet uh, and stay in front. But it's going to be real interesting to see how Nick looks. Um, I think you know we saw him in the Cougar tip-off. I was there in the Marriott Center for that, um, and it was 
you know, that you saw flashes and you saw the fire, which I think is the thing that Nick brings to this team that they really missed last year was kind of the fire mm-hmm. and the ad- attitude and the energy and the fight, um, which is great. But he also didn't fully look back to his former self. Maybe that comes uh, before he gets back uh, in that Utah State game. Maybe it comes after, uh, but they're going to need Nick at a high level. You mentioned... Um, you mentioned kind of the the role players, the system guys that BYU has, and a few of those guys are going to have to have to step up and elevate their game uh, consistently for BYU to really succeed this year too. Who do you, who would you think of as kind of the system guys who really need to make an impact for BYU uh, to make it back to the tourney this year? Yep, Zach Sellis, he's got to go back to his freshman year form. Uh, I, whatever the reason was, I know he came off shoulder surgery last year um, after returning from his mission. As freshman year, he was second in the country in three-point field goal percentage, shooting right around 50%. Last year, he regressed all the way down to 30%. And, you know, that could be contributed to a couple of different factors. You know, maybe playing in a new system that didn't fit him ideally. I, he was played a lot of four and he's sure just in playing down the block. And sometimes he'd be like, okay, why is Zach on the block? Why is he not at the three-point line? It was a really bizarre thing. <laughs> it, it was. Like, it just, I'm just frustrated. It's like, okay, why is he's... He, Sacks a three-point shooter. And I, he did a couple of shoulder surgery last year that I mentioned. And, you know, that could have had some some part in um, why he struggled. And, you know, just coming off the mission, some guys take a little longer to adjust than others. So he's one guy's three-point shooting. Whatever the reason is, you know, you look at BYU's roster, it's like, hey, these guys should be 40% three-point shooters, whether it be TJ Haas, whether it be, you know, Nick Emery, maybe a guy like Connor Harding, guys like that. But BYU needs to be able to shoot the three ball. And Zach Sellis, he's probably going to be asked to start. I mean, you know, we saw him start in the first two exhibitions. Um, he's got a, you don't expect a guy to shoot 50% from three, but if he could be that 38 to 42% range, that would be really big for BYU to take some pressure off ULA, take some, just BYU needs to hit hit more threes if they want to be successful. And Zach Sellis is a guy that I really like at. Yeah, absolutely. Zach is, you know, he's shown the ability to be a great shooter. And last year, for whatever reason, he just wasn't comfortable. It wasn't confident. I don't know what it was, but he just wasn't that. And they need him to be back because to be honest, if Zach's not hitting wide open threes, I'm not sure what else Zach is bringing you because he's not, yeah. he's long. And he has the potential to be, to play some defense, but you know, that first exhibition game against St. Martin's, I was in the Marriott Center. I sat and watched him really struggle to stay in front of and, and to guard a D2, you know, small forward. And they had ultimately ended yeah. up pulling him and putting in Connor Harding to do the job. Um, and so, you know, he's going to have to bring it on that end too. But if he's not shooting, you can you can excuse some of that, um, mm-hmm. some of those defensive lapses if he's shooting. But if he's not shooting, I'm not sure, you know, what Zach does. The other person I would say, uh, the other kind of system guy who who really has the potential to, to make a mark on this BYU team is Jasheer Hardnett. Um, who had an mm-hmm. up and down year last year, um, but I think has a lot of a lot of ability to really make a, a, an impact. He's unique at BYU in that he's quick and he he can yeah. get into the lane kind of at will um, when he wants to with his quickness and his ball handling, and that opens up a lot in terms of him scoring at the rim. Even though he's pretty good at finishing through contact, even though he's he's kind of smaller in stature, but also more than that, uh, it really it's a kind of a gravitational pull, uh, and it sucks those those help defenders from the opposition sucks them into the paint, which opens up BYU guys on the perimeter uh, either for open threes or for blowing by closeouts, um, and really just just uh, makes a problem for the opposing defense. So I think that's something that he uniquely mm-hmm. can bring the problem for him last year is he couldn't make anything outside and yeah. when you get when you can't make anything from three guys aren't going to respect you and they're going to back off they're not going to close out on you hard they're going to back you know two steps off you and that kind of neutralizes his advantage and quickness in terms of getting past guys and getting into the lane so if he can even just be a a, a plausible threat from three which i think 
so far in the in the non conference step back at the exhibition you know that that was nice yeah so far in the exhibition games he's looked very he's looked more confident i'm um, not yeah. just in his shooting but on, in his game all around more decisive and he has been shooting the three and making the three so if he can make a few threes and you know it says on the scouting scouting report do not sag off have to play him at least play him straight up don't have to play him tight just play him straight up that's going to open up a whole lot for Jashir, which opens up a whole lot uh for the rest of the team um, and so I think those two guys are, are really key, along with with probably Dalton Nixon, who I think doesn't do anything yeah. at an all American level, but does everything well um, and just finds ways to help. Mm, yeah, exactly. Every team needs that glue guy. I think Dalton Nixon's that quintessential glue guy. He's just it's kind of cliche, but he really is that team first guy. He's the guy. He, BYU plays him a lot at the four, just because BYU is probably a little bit undersized. And with this day and age in college basketball, Dalton Nixon can play the four. But he's that guy. He's always in there getting a rebound. He's always on the floor. He's that guy you want. He's just that that quintessential glue guy that BYU needs. And there was times last year, especially he really came in his own late in the season where BYU is kind of struggling and Dalton would come in and just be that spark right off the bench. So yeah, I think those two guys, Hardnett, you love his defense that he brings too. He's quick. He kind of matches up with some of those WCC type guards that BYU has struggled with for the last seven, eight years. He could kind of lock up on them. So yeah, those are three guys. And then obviously we'll get to the guys down low, but yeah, I think definitely Dalton Nixon, Jasheer Harnett, Zach, so those three guys, probably guys, two of those guys will probably be starting that really need to step up. Yeah, and to your point, you know, th- we, there are still, there are some question marks. And I think the the one of the question marks you just mentioned, what will BYU have down low? And then the other one, which I think is also really, it's maybe even more important um, in determining the trajectory of this team and, and where what they can become is what can we expect um, from the newcomers, from those guys coming back fresh off missions this year and where can we could expect them to get to and what can they contribute um this year i think those are kind of two big questions that i have in my mind yeah and kind of going off newcomers i think we haven't really touched on it much yet but uh gavin baxter just is someone that BYU really needs to kind of come into his own this year if they want to succeed he's just the type of athlete that BYU doesn't get six foot nine seven two wingspan great hops just BYU doesn't get that guy and his freshman year he doesn't need to yeah, he doesn't need to be that guy that BYU counts on to score. But if he could provide defense every night, if he could provide rebounding, and if he just gets some easy dunks, I mean, BYU doesn't have anyone else that fills that role, then that's huge. Especially, I think, game one, this is kind of later we'll touch on this in the Nevada game. Nevada has some really long guys that, that BYU's going to D up on. And Gavin Baxter, I think, game one, right off the bat, he's going to have to guard all American all American players right off the bat. So and he's got to play a lot of the four, even though he's a little bit skinny now at this point, but he's 6'9, he's got that wingspan. BYU's Gavin Baxter has to be, a, has to have a role this year and an important role if BYU is to succeed. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I think you may even see Gavin, you know, playing some five just because there's not a lot down low um, in yeah. terms of traditional posts at BYU. You're going to see BYU go really small. And Gavin at mm-hmm. 6'9", especially with the with that huge, with those long arms, he's one of the bigger guys they got on the team. And so he's going to play, yep. you know, I would say, you know, the three through five spots. Um, but you're right. I think Gavin, you know, he has an incredible ceiling. He also got back from his mission like two or three months yeah. ago. Yeah, man. Yeah, so it's, it hasn't been that long. I think he's looked a little, you've kind of seen a, a little trick-or-treat with him uh, in the exhibition season so far. 
Cougar mm-hmm. tip-off, he looked terrible. Um, <laughs> he looked really good against uh, Westminster. Um, now take yeah. it with a grain of salt because of the you know the level of the opposition. But he just he just needs to defend. He needs to get rebounds and he needs to dunk the ball when he has the opportunity. He doesn't need to do much more than that. Um, the other one that I think has has looked really good in the exhibition season is ahead of where I thought he'd be, um, considering his recent return from a mission is is Connor Harding. I think yep. Connor has looked kind of i don't want to you know take this with a a huge uh, a heaping helping of salt uh he he looks kind of kc-esque a little kyle collinsworth in him in he terms does. of just his style of play he's a big guard six five spent most of his life playing point guard handles the ball well um moves well athletic but he's a so far he's he's shown to be a better shooter uh than kyle collinsworth ever ever ended up being uh from the perimeter i think he has a lot of potential to really if he continues to come along like this really uh up some minutes particularly out on the wing uh, he won't have the ball in his hands as much as he probably will in years to come just because tj and Shear will have it a lot but i think he's a guy who can really help this team and i think colby lee who who um has dealt he with some injuries three. yeah he had a three the other night <laughs> against westminster his first career shot he sunk it from the corner um yeah. which i mean you know, having a five guy who can who can guard the five and get out on the perimeter and shoot threes will be really helpful i think in byu's offense kind of a a similar approach that that Yoli brings, although certainly not at his level. Um, but I think you know just because of the dearth of big men at BYU this year, with Andrews retiring and Shaw retiring or Peyton Dastrup transferring, you basically got Luke Worthington and not much else. I mean, Yoli will be well. They Yoli wants to be more out on the perimeter anyway. Um, so I think there will be an opportunity for Colby Lee to to pick up some minutes, and if he can stay healthy, um, potentially potentially help. And one thing, going back to Connor Harding, we've seen from Dave Rose, he's kind of the last five years or so, he really likes to have that one guy that's that could really rebound. Um, obviously, started with Kyle Collinsworth. He was freshman year before his mission. He played the four and then the last three years as point guard, <clears throat> obviously putting up triple doubles. And then the last two years, Elijah Bryant <clears throat> was really counted on to rebound. And BYU, without just a lot of really big guys, I mean, we know what Luke Worthington is. He is what it is. He's going to come in. He's going to play hard. He's going to be sound defensively. But BYU is probably going to, need some help rebounding especially playing when they play a team like nevada that's just so long and so athletic and maybe not right off the bat but maybe down the road connor harding with the size at six six he's probably gonna be asked to play maybe a lot of three because BYU is going to be a little bit smaller and i think his rebounding he's gonna have to come in and rebound the ball like he said um he can handle the ball he could shoot so i think it might take a little bit of time he's probably still behind rylan bergerson in terms of pecking order but he could work BYU still needs that fourth guard to to step up right now we have they have sheer hardnet they have tj haas and then when nick emery comes comes back but they're going to need another guard and i think connor harding down the road maybe not right off the bat he's going to be the guy that gets you 15 minutes a night maybe even ahead of a guy like rylan bergerson yeah it's a it's it'll be interesting to see because there's there's going to be some jockeying for minutes mckay cannon rylan bergerson everyone talked mm-hmm. up rylan bergerson coming into this year um as you know the guy who's made the leap i haven't seen it Yet uh, in the exhibition se- season, really seems to like him. Yeah, like he said, but yeah, I just haven't quite seen it. I mean, hasn't I haven't like not seen it. He hasn't been a liability by any means. But yeah, the, the, the last guy's up for grabs. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, how this team shakes out. I think there is a lot of talent. Uh, it's just a question of how it comes together um, and when it comes together and how quickly it can come together uh, to see if they can they can really make a solid run at, at the tournament. And one thing that I know that. You know, in the past has been a problem for for their tournament resume has been the schedule. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know the biggest problem for them has been losing 
games to bad teams in conference. Um, we now have two last games against bad teams in conference, thanks to Gonzaga threatening to leave the WCC. So that's good. But that's really opened up having those two fewer conference games opened up BYU to schedule a lot more aggressively um, in the non in the non conference. And I think they learned a little bit um, from St. Mary's not making the tournament, even though they won 30 games last year um, yeah. because they played a, a cream puff non conference schedule. Um, so Dave Rose has gone out and scheduled really aggressively this year uh, in the non conference. Brought in brought in a lot of not even brought in gone on the road to play a lot of really good teams, top 25 caliber teams in some cases. Um, looking at the schedule, do you think that this schedule uh, is good enough to get BYU into the tourney, depending on how they perform? And kind of which games do you think fans should be circled on their calendar as the really important ones to look forward to and to watch? Yeah, I'm excited about the schedule. One thing I do like about it, it really just gives BYU a larger margin of error. Um, in years past, BYU just, there just wasn't enough substance necessarily in the non-conference schedule. Even if BYU had a gaudy record coming out, there just wasn't enough substance. You just kind of, BYU just kind of racked up these wins. Now what I like about it is BYU just has a bigger margin of error because you honestly, you could probably schedule at least two to three, two bad losses in for BYU in WCC play. But with the schedule, BYU you could lose those games, but hey, BYU has a win over, say, Houston. BYU has a win against uh, San Diego State. There's just a little bit more to balance it. So I think the biggest thing is BYU just has the margin of error. I kind of go back to 2013. Um, BYU, when they made the NCAA tournament, that was the year they they played Texas. They barely lost to Wichita State, who was undefeated last year. You know, BYU had three bad losses that year, but BYU had a really challenging non-conference schedule. What I think is comparable to this year and BYU is able to squeak into the tournament that last that year despite having double digit losses so before we guys we kind of dive into the opponents I think just having that margin of error kind of something to lean on even if BYU doesn't win all those games there's something in there to be like hey we can hang our hat in this non-conference schedule yeah and I think that's totally right about the the margin for error I mean if when you play three or four you know, qual- quote unquote unquote quality opponents in your non-conference schedule. You better win some of the. You better win. You know, a good share of those games. Otherwise, you know, you don't you don't have that many opportunities uh, in conference when you play in the WCC. So just mm-hmm. increasing the number of opportunities you have. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose some. But as we saw um, from the selection committee last year, they aren't penalizing folks for going and playing tough games, particularly on the road and losing. They weren't penalizing folks for losing to good teams. They were penalizing folks for not playing good teams at all. And so yeah. I think Dave Rose has really internalized that. I think he got that feedback from Tom Homo, who was on the committee, um, and they've gone out and yeah. scheduled some really tough teams. Some of the ones that I kind of have scheduled on my calendar um obviously nevada is the first one nevada was a point away from the final four last year a lot of folks saying they could be legit national championship contenders this year bringing basically everyone back from that team and then some we'll talk about them a little bit more in a second um Mm -hmm. houston obviously got into the second weekend last year i think they lost a couple of their better players but bringing them into the marriott center um for a home game i think is, is is big a really golden opportunity for for a big win. You always have Utah. Um, but then I think the one that's kind of a, there's a couple, there's a, there's a stretch in late December, but the one that I think is kind of yeah. a sneaky one that folks might not totally appreciate is, is, is Illinois state um, who has a really good shot to win the Missouri Valley conference this year ahead of Loyola Chicago who went to the uh, final four last year. Loyola Chicago lost. I think their top three guys. And I think Illinois mm-hmm. state is being projected by a lot of folks to, to win that auto bid out of the Missouri Valley and be a really good team and going on the road to play them. I think that'll be an opportunity for a really good win if they can get one 
Yeah, I remember that game a couple years ago. Their coach on Twitter, he's like, "Hey, because they, I think they, they were kind of the same boat as St. Mary's was last year. It's like two years ago, they won thirty games, got left out. That they were one of the first four out, and their coach just went on Twitter, bag, hey, we need people to come play us, play us.' And then um, I think Tim Lacombe and Dave Rose saw that tweet, kind of put the wheels into motion. They were a little bit down last year, but yeah, this year they'll be a top hundred team. They have a guy named Malik Yarbrough, who's the preseason Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year, I believe. So yeah, another good quality win. And then late December, I think I don't know if this is by design. Maybe it was. I'm sure there was a little bit with Nick Emery, obviously coming back with the Utah State game. But PA's non-conference schedule does seem to be more backloaded. Obviously, they end with UNLV, San Diego State, and then Mississippi State, all those teams outside the Marriott Center. So really challenging non-conference slate. I really like it. Well, they get to know what BYU is coming into WCC play. They'll get a chance to put themselves into the NCAA tournament if they want to and not necessarily have to rely on teams losing. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that that late de- that stretch of late December road trips. They essentially go to the last three weeks of December. They, I think they're only playing one one game a week, and they're all on the road against UNLV, San Diego State, and Mississippi State, like you said. And Mississippi State's mm-hmm. really good. That's a top twenty team right now in the, in the kind of yeah. the preseason polls. San Diego State always tough. UNLV has been down recently, but. We know the history there. Yeah, Uh, yeah, in Vegas. It's going to be those. I think that's the key stretch of the season is if Mm -hmm. BYU can get, you know, a cup, preferably two, but at least one win. They should beat UNLV, I think. I think UNLV is down a bit. But if they can get a win against a San Diego State or a Mississippi State there, that would be huge. Just kind of slingshot them into conference where they're, you know, they're, you know, they're going to play the Gonzagas and the St. Mary's and then, you know, the, the, the little sisters of the poor, but I think that's a, a huge stretch. <laughs> so what are you thinking, Steve? I'm kind of looking at this. We have what, like about eight non-conference games circle on the schedule. I think how many games do you think BYU needs to have in order to just to feel good about fighting for an NCAA tournament bid? I'd say BYU, if BYU out of those eight games, they win, they probably need to win at least three or four to fill somewhat comfortable going into WCC play. What do you think? Yeah, I think it depends. It depends on what games they win, right? I think if they go into yeah. Nevada on Tuesday night into Reno and they beat Nevada <laughs> on the opening night of the season, people will sit up and take notice. And that's one of those signature wins that people remember, which maybe yeah. gives you a little bit more more leeway. If you don't beat a team like Nevada, but you rack up you know solid wins on the road against an Illinois State and a UNLV and a San Diego State, and then maybe beat Utah on the neutral floor. I think four wins that you could feel really solid about what you got out of the non-conference or maybe Houston at home. It should beat Houston at home. You should always win at home. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think if they can get to four, they should feel like they did their job. If they get to five, they should feel really, really good. But yeah. three, depending on the nature of the win could be fine. Um, but really if you're aiming, you want to get to at least four wins out of those, the, that big, you know, that big non-conference slate right there. Yeah, for sure. So how does this how does this turn out, Robbie? I know we we don't have any crystal balls here. We're not we're not soothsayers. We're not seers. We don't know what's going to happen this year. Could be great. Could be not great. Who knows? Could be anywhere in between. What do you see? What do you where do you think this season turns out? How does BYU finish in the WCC? Do they make the tournament? What is it? Are they back in the NIT for another year? What do, what do you see? Yeah, you know BYU is thirty one games this year, so I think. So I'll start. I think BYU, I think they're probably in that 22 to 20, about 22, 23 win range. Um, just kind of looking, I I think I just don't see enough for to be much different than the last three years. And the reason I say that, I mean, we know ULA Childs, what he's going to do. But until TJ Haas and a third score just become more consistent, 
I think it's just going to be a lot of the same the last three years. You know, not a bad team, but just I kind of just seems like an NIT tournament team to me. And you know, there's things that like Gavin Baxter could have a really big year. TJ Haas could go back to playing like an all-conference player. But until we see that, I'm seeing about 22 to 24 wins. I do think BYU goes up to second in the WCC. Um, Mary, St. Mary's has a couple of good transfers, but they obviously lost a ton. They lost Hermanson, Emmett Nahr, and then obviously um, Jock Landell. So they're going to be a little, they'll still be good. They'll be a little bit rebuilding. And then we know what Gonzaga is. Gonzaga is going to be a, one, they could win the national title this year. So with that in mind, I do think BYU breaks in. I think they finished second in the WCC, but I see, I think they'll be close to the NCAA tournament, but then I see about 24, 23 wins and an NIT bid. Oof. Tough look for my guys. Tough look for my guys. Are you I'm more gonna... optimistic? I, I, I want to say NCAA tournament. I, I could see it, honestly, with the non-conference schedule, I think BYU, they do have the opportunities, even if they don't blow it away. BYU could still lose two to... They could still have a couple bad wins and they could still get in. So I really want to say it. They could make the NCAA tournament because they can, but I just don't know if I see just the enough different from the last three years. I, I don't know. Maybe, you, maybe yeah, you're a little more optimistic than I am. I mean, I'm generally not Mr. Optimist. I'm not Mr. Yeah. Blue Goggles generally. No. I, I, I yeah. pride myself on having a, a rational view of, of BYU sports, but yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't been horribly impressed with the exhibition season so far, but then again, <laughs> it's the exhibition season. You never know what to take from that anyway. Yeah. Uh, so there's a part of me that inside and this is not normally who I am, but once <laughs> feels like this team is, the, is can get it done. I, I think I just, that they are, they have I, the opportunities in the non-conference. They're mm-hmm. going to go, I think they're going to win some games that are going to look really good on the resume. I think they're going to beat Houston. I yep. think they're going to go on the road and win at Illinois state, which is going to look like a, a, a way better win than people think it is. I think they're mm-hmm. going to beat UNLV on that neutral floor in Vegas, which is basically a road game. I think they're yep. going to beat Utah on the neutral floor. Um, and then I think they can steal one of these others. Maybe, maybe San Diego state. I don't know. Um, I think that they can, they can, I think they can at least get to four games and then I think they can do enough, you know, maybe only one bad loss in the, in the WCC this year because there's fewer opportunities. Yeah. Um, and then I think that they can get at least one game each off Gonzaga and St. Mary's just because we get one game off Gonzaga kind of by yeah. default now for whatever reason. Uh-huh. I don't know how that happened. And I yeah. think St. Mary's is down. So I think we can get a game off them this year. Um, so I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on a limb and say, yes. BYU will get to the NCAA tournament this year. Maybe only, you know, in a play-in game. Uh, but I think they can I think they can get there. And I will I, may I end up being it. horribly wrong, but I want to say your predictions can. right. I mean, it, it's definitely there. I mean, we've seen TJ Haas, you know, he goes into Gonzaga, he could play like a 13, like an all-American player. He could he has that potential. Gavin Baxter has NBA potential, I believe. So I mean the potential is there. Uh I'm just not seeing it quite yet. But I could definitely see NCAA tournament bid. So let's hope you're right, Steve, and your blue goggled prediction <laughs> comes to be. But I don't, it's not blue goggled, but yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. And then the beauty is, you know, we're going to see pretty quickly because, you know, the season starts on Tuesday night <laughs> yeah. um, and they'll be going to Reno to the house of, you know, the Wolfpack in Nevada, one of the best teams in the country. Um, let's just talk a little bit about that one and then the game on Friday against UVU real quick before we go. Um, Nevada, what do we need to know? What's what's important for folks to know about Nevada? Yeah, I mean, Nevada's good. Like you said, they're all just a few possessions away from making the final four last year. They have a first team all American. They have the Martin twins. Um, Caleb Martin, he's the one that's the first team all American, correct? 
or is it Cody? Yes. I think it's no, Caleb. I think it's Caleb, and then Cody yeah. is the, you know, lesser, yeah. but not much lesser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Caleb, Caleb Martin, first-team All-American guy that does it all. Um, his twin brother, Cody, 6'7". He's going to play the point guard for them. I looked at their starting lineup. Everyone in their starting lineup is going to be 6'7 and above. So they have lots of length, lots of guys that great. can score. This is going to be great yeah. for us. That's exactly what BYU does well with, with right? Historically, teams that are athletic and teams that are long, right in BYU's wheelhouse. So. Yep, yep, that's right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they, they just got dudes. Honestly, they could they score a ton. They they probably have the top three offense in in college basketball. Um, the thing that held them back last year is their defense. Um, are they going to be better defensively this year? Obviously, the coach is going to say a lot of good things. But this could be. I kind of this could almost be. Do you remember that Stanford game, the Midnight Madness game when yeah. Maddie basketball was born? I could see yes. it being that, but reversed. Like it could be like I could see it be like a 108 to 96 game that Nevada comes out on top. Just like something crazy. Just TJ Haas is going to hit six threes, but you know. Nevada's going to come out, but Nevada's good. They got dudes, but they do have a couple guys injured. I'm um, Jordan Caroline is a first team, all WCC player. He's been in a boot this past week. So the coach Musselman said he's TBD. And then their McDonald's all over American center, Jordan Brown, their six eleven big man. He's TBD as well for this game. So that does help BYU a little bit. If those guys are out, does give BYU a puncher's chance. But even without those two, Nevada's just good. They are they are really good. I mean, if you're looking for a silver lining here, where there aren't many, you know, they haven't looked great to be honest in the in the preseason. No, they they kind of they've looked. They you lost know, by kinda... 18 to Washington in their exhibition, and Washington was without its best player. Yeah, and Washington <laughs> Washington is a pretty good program. Yeah. I think they're on the on the up, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see if they're really engaged. I think that if you're gonna if you're gonna draw Nevada. I want to draw Nevada right now at the beginning on the first yeah, game where weird things always happen. You don't know if they're mm-hmm. going to be engaged yet. Maybe have a little you know, lingering injuries with Jordan Caroline and Jordan Brown. Uh, yeah. um, that said, like you said, they've got dudes. Like They can just yeah. plug in Trey Porter, who's a grad transfer from Old Dominion, who's a beast, 6'11", mm-hmm. um, down in the post if they need to. They've got the Martin twins who, you know, realistically, maybe could beat BYU 2-on-5 by themselves if they needed to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, you never know. The first game of the I season, know. weird stuff happens. Teams don't come to play. Teams overperform. Hopefully, BYU. I've been, um, I've been, I don't know. Just, I've been falling to that bad trap. Just as a BYU, a lot of BYU fans get into just like kind of down yourself. And it gets before the game. Right, BYU is going to win. We're going to win everything. Like I was thinking, okay, they lost by eighteen to Washington. Their last exhibition game to San Francisco State. They were losing at halftime. They're going to be down all these guys. BYU is going to win. But I mean, when I step back a little bit, okay, BYU's. If BYU wins, I mean, puts a whole new just perspective on the season. But I think BYU, I mean, BYU can score. They're going to go up and down. So that'll give BYU a puncher's chance. I mean, they have guys like TJ Haas that could go off. Zach Sellis could find his shooting stroke. We know what Yoli could do. So BYU does have a puncher's chance. But I mean, yeah, that crowd's going to be amped up. But like you said, first game of the season, that's the time to catch them. Yeah. So what do you think? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, for me, I think it's I think it's going to be bad. I think that Nevada is just really good. And yeah. we're not we haven't figured out what we're, what we're doing yet. We're making some changes. We don't have all our guys in the in the lineup. It's I think I think it it could be a Nevada by I think BYU will keep it close just because it is the first game. But I think it could end up being one that kind of gets away in the last 10 minutes or so and ends up being like a Nevada by 15 situation. I do think if Jordan Caroline is out, that's that's huge for Yoli, um, just because mm-hmm. Caroline is kind of that strong guy who would body up Yoli and really give him give him trouble. So I think if Caroline is out, um, 
Yoli could could really put in some work. But I think this is one of those classic BYU games where they where they fight and they, they're in it and then until they're not in it and it just kind of gets away from them at the end. That's what I'd expect to see. How about you? Yeah, I'm seeing it pretty close. I think BYU should do some good things in this game. I think they'll give some promise. I mean, you hate to just have moral victories because it seems like sometimes that's all you can hang your head on as a BYU fan. But I do think there'll be some good things come out of this game. Um, I want to see TJ be consistent. I want to see if he's going to be the point guard to be the guy controlling the offense. Um, I want to see BYU rebound well against the length of Nevada. So BYU just shows a few of those things at least, you know, competes, you know, hangs tough until the last you know a couple of media timeouts but yeah i'm seeing about a 10 to 12 point win for nevada with that home crowd just with their just the talent disparity they're just really talented they they could go to the final four this year so i'm seeing a high scoring game both teams in the 80s maybe even 90s and nevada pulls away from about a 10 to 12 point win yeah and you know i think that the expect what do you expect as a fan expectations are everything and then you know i don't think fans should not go into this game expecting byu to win if they no. do win then that's great you should just be really pleased with that but this yeah. is this is an opportunity for a little bit of a measuring stick game for byu to kind of see where they are measure themselves against the very best in the country right from the beginning and see you know what do we have and what do we have to work on and where do we need to where do we need to get better i think it's a really valuable game uh, from that perspective. So win or lose, I think it's going to provide a lot of value for BYU, yeah. like you were saying. In Steve, terms of things it. that are not measuring stick games, Friday at home against Utah Valley is not a measuring stick game. This is a game that BYU should win, needs to win every single time, uh, although we know two years ago they did not. So what should we be looking for uh, from that matchup? We're pretty familiar with UVU. We play them every year. But anything different we should be looking for in that matchup this year from your from your perspective? Yeah, UVU. They had a UVU had a really solid team last year. Um, I think they were top, almost top hundred RPI team in the nation. Um, this year, they're going to be rebuilding a little bit. Um, they lost a really good big guy that transferred from Oklahoma, and a few other key contributors. They're going to be led by the Toulson guys in the backcourt. BYU fans are familiar with Jake Toulson, BYU transfer. He's all conference player in the WAC. I think they're projected to finish fifth in the WAC. Um, obviously, the WAC is much lower tier conference in the WCC. So they are rebuilding a little bit this year, but I mean, that's going to be their Super Bowl game. They're going to want to, they're going to be confident. They want to BYU two years ago. So they're going to come into Provo knowing what they can do. But uh, you would hope, uh, you know, BYU is mentally prepared for that already losing to UVU. And I would expect BYU to win that fairly comfortably. I know it's a rival game for UVU, so they'll keep it close in the first half, but I would expect BYU to Went fairly comfortably just because you've used rebuilding there and BYU's definitely has more talent this year. Yeah, I mean, I think the key to the game is going to be can you can you contain the Toulson cousins? Um, mm-hmm. Connor Toulson shot you know forty percent from three last year. They have to guard the three point line, not let. I mean, that's what happened when they let UVU come into the Marriott Center and score one hundred sixteen yeah, points. Hit last, what like eighteen uh, threes ago. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they 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 let them shoot like a zillion three pointers wide open. And guess what? Even if they go to, even if they're playing in the whack division one basketball players, they're really good at basketball and they'll make open shots if you give it to them. Um, and so they just got killed because they didn't defend the three point line. They gave up too many open threes. They can't do that against UVU this time. They did a good job last year. I think they kind of restored the balance and, and, and the rightful, uh, the rightful balance to, to this, pseudo rivalry last year when they went into UVU and everyone was super amped and UVU sold the place out and they just smacked him in the mouth and beat him by 20 and it Mm -hmm. wasn't really close. They need to do that again this year. They need to take this seriously, um, which I think they will um, and not have like a post Nevada hangover regardless of what happens in that game. Uh, I think that they should win. I think they can, I think BYU, you know, 
takes UVU seriously now after the debacle two years ago. I think this is a game BYU, you know, wins by 20. Do you see anything different? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. About 15, 20 point win. I think BYU should come out pretty handily. So, and, you know, hopefully next, next week this time, Steve, hopefully let's be celebrating a Nevada win next time. Let's, let's, let's get blue goggled here. You know, it's <laughs> that was, how great would that be? You know, after, you know, football season, you know, it is what it is coming off that Boise state loss. How great would it be? Get the fan base excited about basketball again. Um, good to start with a Nevada win. Give, let's get those expectations going up. Exactly. We're going to log back onto Twitter after we cut off this podcast. We're going to find out that the Martin twins both broke their legs. Jordan Caroline can't go. Jordan Brown can't go. And everyone else has the flu. And BYU is going to beat Nevada and really start it off with a bang. Because you know, the the new formula, the replacement for the RPI, the net or whatever they're calling it, does not take into account who was playing or when you played a team. Uh, They just show that you won. So if even if Nevada, everyone was hurt, if BYU won, that's a win over Nevada, regardless of what they do the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. It's good. I think at the at the end of the day, it's going to be good to see the ball bouncing again. It's going to be good to have BYU basketball back. Who knows what the journey will bring this year? It could be up, could be down. Probably will be both at certain points. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun to kind of get to know this team, watch them, see what they can become. Um, and that's what we'll be doing here uh, every week. We know. I know we went a little bit long this week just because we got into the into the preview. Um, which we needed to, to dive a little deeper on. But, you know, starting kind of next week, we'll be back here. Uh, we'll be do- doing 30 minutes trying to look back at what happens in, in Nevada with Nevada and the UVU games. And then also looking ahead to the week to come with Northwestern State, Oral Roberts, and, and Alabama A&M. Not quite an exciting slate, but we'll, 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 we'll take a look at it and kind of see where we are a week from now. We'll know, I think we'll know a lot more about what this team is and, and what they have to work on uh, when we talk next week um, than we do right now. So in... In the meantime, enjoy the basketball. Um, for Robbie and myself, if you want to fo- if you want to fo- clap back at us, send us a tweet at Vanquish the Foe, or if you want to yell at us individually and tell us that we said something really stupid, uh, you can find yes. Robbie on on Twitter at uh, at RT McCombs, or you can find me at at Post Jimmer. Um, and I, you know, people yell at me all the time, and so I'm I'm used to it. So if you want to yell at me, you want to vent your yeah. frustration, you want to say I'm naive. Um, I probably am, but, uh, you know, I love to hear it. So, uh, let us know what you think. This is a, this is an open conversation. We're looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Um, maybe we'll include a few of them in the show next week, but, uh, but until then, uh, enjoy the basketball and we'll talk to you next week. Go Cougars. Go Cougars.